We live in really amazing times, don't we? And over the last week, we've seen the pandemic reach record highs in America and Melbourne, and Putin has established his regime for the next 16 years in Russia. And in the face of increasing aggression from China, Australia pledged to spend an additional $270 billion on defence over the next 10 years. We live in truly frightening times. Yet tonight, as you will see, the greatest enemy to all of us is our own human nature and our natural tendencies for sin. So tonight, together, we plan to cover three main questions. Firstly, what is sin? Secondly, why is it a problem? And finally, we'll address what our response to that should be. What, then, is how I've labelled that? We'll see how the answer to these questions in the Bible is actually very simple and shows the love and mercy that our God has for us. So let's break down those questions then. Firstly, what is sin? Well, you probably have a good idea of what the word sin means. It's not an uncommon word. And the dictionary definition is about what you'd expect. As you can see, the Oxford Dictionary says, an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Or Merriam-Webster puts it as an offence against moral or religious laws. Both of these two definitions consider sin to be religious. It's a transgression against laws dictated by a god. So let's see what God tells us his definition of sin is. As we are Christadelphians, we believe that the Bible is God's word to us. And as such, we'll take our proofs from there tonight. So here are three verses from the New Testament which really explain what sin is. So James 4 verse 17, To him that knoweth to do sin, to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 1 John 3 verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And finally, 1 John 5 and verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. Now, on initial inspection, this seems to mean that to not sin is actually quite easy to avoid sinning. I mean, I do good and I don't transgress the law, so do I not sin? Well, sadly, there is more to it than that. If we turn back in our Bibles to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23... We read, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is really the key. What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? Well, the examples here from the verses before are transgressing the law and knowing what's good but not doing it. However, to define what falling short of the glory of God truly is, it's important that we briefly have a look at what the glory of God is. So turn with me back, please, to Exodus 33, verse 18, right back towards the start of our Bibles. And here we have Moses, the leader of the Israelites over 2,000 years ago, before the birth of Christ, asks God to show him his glory. So, Exodus 33 and verse 18. And he, that is Moses, said, I beseech thee, 
show me thy glory. He, that is God, then replies, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So then God explains to Moses how he will hide Moses and show his glory to him by passing by in front of him. Now if we turn over to the next chapter, and in verse 6, it says, Yahweh passed by before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And so on, into the next verse. Here we see exactly what God's glory is. It's his character and the attributes that make him glorious. So, taking the logical step, we fall short of God's glory if we fail to show these attributes in our lives. When we are not merciful or forgiving, when we, when we aren't long-suffering or abundant in goodness and truth, and so forth. And this puts a fascinating spin onto sin. See, there are two types of sin. We can sin by doing evil, and we can sin by not doing good, by not acting like God. And that's really, to recap, that's really what sin is. Sinning is not acting like good, God, whether that means doing evil or not doing good. So how does God act, or how should we act so that we don't sin? Well, let's have a look at some verses that tell us how we should act to be more like our God. If we turn to Galatians 5 and verses 19 to 21, we can see how we shouldn't act first. So, Galatians 5 and beginning at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if we continue looking through Galatians 5, we see what are called the fruits of the Spirit, and these are a list of characteristics that we should aim to show in our lives to be more like God and his son, Christ. Verses 22 and 23. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So to sin against God is to do the works of the flesh spoken about in the first few verses and not to show those fruits of the Spirit spoken about in the second part. So sin is not acting like God in our lives, either by failing to do good, the last few verses, or by doing evil. It's choosing to do what we want over what God wants. So why is sin a problem? Well, if we 
But to answer this question, we need look no further than Romans 6, our reading for tonight. If you turn there. In verse 23, it clearly states, For the wages of sin is death. This is a very interesting way of describing sin. When you do a job for someone and they pay you, you are receiving the wages that are due to you. You worked and as a result, you received this wage. If you don't work, you don't receive the wage. This verse, however, puts the metaphor in a different light because the wage that we receive is something we don't necessarily want, unlike an ordinary wage. So is this verse saying that the reason we die is because we sin? Well, let's examine another verse. Let's turn to 1 John 2 and verses 15 to 17. First of John 2, verse 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. So here, the world is the word used to describe sin. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, eyes and the pride of life is the way it's described. These three points summarise all sins and why it is imperative that we try not to sin. All sins fall under either the lusts of our bodies, the lusts of what we see, or our own pride. And God tells us clearly that these feelings are not of him or part of his character. Then in verse 17, God tells us that the reason as to why we have to try and escape these sins, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So yes, if we continue sinning, we die, but if we do the will of God, we abide forever. And if we look at this abide forever bit, we can discover what that really means to abide forever. We looked earlier at how sinning is falling short of the glory of God. Well, if we jump right back into the Old Testament of our Bibles, we can find a couple of other references to this glory of God, which will help to explain how us living forever is God's plan for all of us. So Numbers 14 verse 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And Habakkuk 2 verse 14, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. So both of these quotes are talking about God filling the earth with his glory, or more specifically, the knowledge of his glory. Now, as we saw before, God's glory is his character or his attributes. So for him to fill the earth with his glory He'd have to fill it with people who are like him, people who behave like him, who show forth his characteristics. And as we've seen from the quotes in 1 John and Romans 6, 
Those that do the will of God abide forever. They live forever, showing these amazing attributes of God throughout the world. Yet in Romans 3 verse 23, it clearly states that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So this presents us with quite a problem. The Bible says everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So we cannot be a part of his plan with the earth. It seems the situation is hopeless. We have no way of saving ourselves. We cannot of our own ability avoid sinning. So we cannot of our own ability save ourselves. Which leads us to the final question. What should we do then? This was what the people in Acts 2 verse 37 wondered, if you'll turn with me there. In Acts 2 verse 37, the Apostle Paul in the, in the previous, the earlier parts of the chapter, is addressing a group of Jews from across the world. And he preaches to them about Jesus and he shows them how in the hardness of their hearts and fury, they killed Jesus, their Messiah. In verse 37, we pick it up. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you for the remission in the name in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit so here peter explains how to receive remission of sins or to have your sins removed the people had to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ this here then is the path that god has set up for us to have our sins forgiven and removed completely. We can look at several other verses that give us more information on this forgiveness process. Over the page in Acts 3 and verse 19, we have a very similar situation where the people asked Peter what they should do to be saved. And he replies, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Let's turn also then to 1st of John 1 and verse 8 and 9. In 1st of John 1 and verse 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's reiterating that point from before. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This reiterates the point that we have all sinned. We cannot save ourselves because none of us are capable of living our lives without sinning. However, if we confess our sins, if we repent and seek forgiveness, striving to avoid sinning, and are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, then we can be saved. And here we see the amazing mercy and love of our God. 
despite the fact that we all sin and are worthy of death, despite the fact that none of us deserves to be a part of his purpose, God has provided us with a way of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, where we can explore the process in great detail. Here we see in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Here we see through the sin of Adam, the first man who disobeyed the direct instructions of God back in Genesis chapter 3, that sin has been passed down to all mankind, leading to everyone sinning. Verses 13 through to 17 are all in parenthesis, so if we move on to verse 18, he continues on, Therefore, as by the offence of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did more, much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that mean? Well, through the sin of Adam, all mankind is subject to sin as a result of that judgment and death owing to the fact that we cannot avoid sinning. Christ, however, lived a perfect life. He did no sin. He is the only person to ever live without sinning once. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, it's recorded that Christ was tempted in all ways like as we are, yet he did no sin. So, through the obedience of this one man, Christ, and his righteousness, God is able to provide a way of salvation for us through his grace and mercy, through baptism into the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if we turn to Galatians 3 and verse 27, we can look at how we can be part of this incredible grace of God. Beginning at verse 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So, if we are baptised into Christ, we put on Christ, it says, and become one with Christ. Christ, who did no sins, who lived every day perfectly before God, despite having the same tendencies and lusts as we do, provides us with this ability to be saved. Because when God looks on us, we are one with Christ, who did no sin, and he sees Christ. We can be a part of God's kingdom, part of his ultimate purpose with the earth, and able to be a part of those that display his glory to the world around us. This, then, is the baptism into the name of Jesus Christ that Paul spoke of before. The process of salvation 
and forgiveness of sins is as follows then. Repentance, or changing our attitude, and striving our hardest not to sin, and being baptised into the name of Jesus Christ, are the two steps that are required for us to have our sins removed or blotted out. Although the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is this eternal life through Christ Jesus, his son. So, in conclusion then, what is sin and why is it a problem? Tonight we've seen our sin is the failure to show God's glory and characteristics to the world around us. Failing to do what God wants and instead choosing to be selfish and to follow our lusts and desires. This is a terrible problem because the wages of sin is death and all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all incapable of saving ourselves. However, God in his grace and mercy and love sent his son who lived a perfect life and did no evil. If we repent of our sins and ask God for forgiveness and are baptised into the name of Jesus Christ, then God can and will forgive us of our sins. The wages of sin is death, but it is the gift of God that is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm.